All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. Hey, so I've got good news and bad news. So which one do you which one do you want first? Oh, the bad news. That's a good choice. That's what I choose too. see. That's what you're hoping. You're hoping the bad news isn't too bad. And the good news kind of washes over and is so good that it washes away. That's a very optimistic way of going about it. That's uh, that's not what the case is here. The bad news is really bad. I'm kidding. It's not that bad. Uh, so here's the bad news. The bad news is that there will be no afterward podcast for the next two weeks. Because of the July 4th holiday and the fact that I am going on vacation uh, and there's a lot of folks out of the office because of the July 4th uh, vacation. I'm going on a family trip with my family. My son just graduated from high school, so we're taking a big family trip. We've been planning this for years. We're super excited about it. It's kind of our last family trip as a family because my son's going to go off to college and who knows where he's going to be over the summer. Who knows? Uh, no idea. You know, no idea. So um, it's kind of bittersweet, but mostly just sweet. So we're really looking forward to that. So no afterward podcast on July 9th or July 16th, uh, but we will be back on the 23rd. Okay, here's the good news. So the good news is, well, there's two two pieces of good news. There's actually two good things. Listen, that's amazing. That's amazing. You didn't even know that. You didn't expect that. You thought maybe there'll be one good piece of news, but there's two. The first is our YouTube channel, which is featuring the afterword live and recorded in our studio is up and live. Actually, we had our first YouTube comment this week. Elijah commented that he wanted some afterword swag. He, he actually, in his words, I would kill for some afterwards swag. First of all, Elijah, murder is never the answer. Never. Okay, so let's get that clear. Second of all, as soon as we get some afterward merch, and I think my buddy Les Lederman is actually going to be working on that, email me your size. We'll try to figure out if we can get you some merch because we want to do that um, because you're such a loyal listener. So if you're out there listening and you'd like some afterward swag, just chime in in the comments. We'll try to figure out how to make that happen. I don't know how to make it happen, but the creative team here at Westgate Church, they certainly do. In fact, I'm watching Les right now cut out some sort of imprint. What, what is that? It's like a like a, st- a vinyl stencil to put on a t-shirt to press it. To is it? Does it press it or does it paint it? What does it do? Heat it heat presses. Hmm. He's in the room doing this. So we're, we're, we're experimenting as we speak, Elijah. So Westgate merch on its way for the Afterward Podcast. Anyway, the second good piece of news is we have a great, a great podcast for you today. We're in Matthew chapter 14, and Steve Clifford's here in the studio, and this chapter is so chock full of stuff, we couldn't even get to it in the sermon. There's a whole episode where Jesus walks on water, and then Peter walks on water. Incredible. We don't even get to it in the sermon. We don't even have time, but we get to it in the Afterward Podcast. That's right. So we're going to be talking about that. And like Peter, we're going to dive right in. <laughs> that does, it's a joke because he, he sank in the waves because he was afraid of. Anyway, uh, with that, let's just, uh, let's just get to it. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome Let's to the, go. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to the afterward. I'm Dave here with Steve. Yep. Glad you're here with us. Yeah. Thank welcome. you. We're recording not just video, but also audio, not just audio, but also video. So this well, is going to be on YouTube. So we've gotten uh, a couple dozen hits for the first for first video. People commented that your your uh, your your head is a testament to cranial architecture. They were wowed by it. And the way the light bounces off of it, that's yeah, that's what yeah, people yeah. said. Well, 
I'm lucky, actually. Well, how? There are some bald heads that should not oh, yes. be uncovered. Who are your favorite bald people of all time in terms of the way that they look? Do, do you have a list of your... I do fa- not. <laughs> Can I tell you my list? Oh, sure. Okay. I, okay. I think Bruce <laughs> I think Bruce Willis has an incredible bald head. Okay. Uh, I think Michael Jordan has an incredible bald head. Okay. Um, and then we got to go old school for this. This is going all the way back. Telly Brenner. Telly Savalas. Oh, do you remember Telly Savalas? I, I do kind of. But anyway, you don't have a list of your favorite bald no, dudes? No, that's it's not a thing. When did you start? Was there a moment where you're like, I'm going to shave my head? Yeah, I guess it was a moment, but I mean, it wasn't like a big deal. It was just that you couldn't part stuff anymore, and uh, it was just two. There was two little stragglers all sticking up everywhere. Anyway, what are we doing talking about? I don't this? know. I just think it's cool. Okay, because oh. we're talking about anyway, a man. I've been doing this for a long time, so it's like it's really funny when people come up to me that haven't seen me in a bit, like as they come back from COVID or some of the things. Sure, them, they'll say, um, "Wow, Steve, you look exactly the same." <laughs> and I'm like, "That's because I've looked old for." <laughs> For 15 years, right? I've looked exactly like this for 15 years. So. Okay, so here's where the tie-in is. Uh, we started this message with uh, about a head, and we're going to end it with a head on a platter. So, uh, oh, John, oh, John, gosh, what a transition. That's, that's kind of dark. Uh, in this chapter, we have some two heavy things, but also two amazing things that really happen. And the first thing is that John the Baptist is killed. Yeah. And he's killed by Herod Antipas. Um, who is the son of Herod the Great, who was also a murderous jerk. Yep. He tried to kill. Remember, he's the guy in the early story that uh, tried to kill a whole bunch of baby. He did kill a whole bunch of baby boys. Yeah. Trying to kill and them. And it's interesting, not all of Herod's sons are the murderous kind, because when Jesus gets away, he actually goes to an area where one of the other sons is over the area, and it's a little bit safer for him. Yes. There's three There's three sons. Um and, I mean, there's this is all political intrigue and dialogue, but um, Herod has three kids, and Archelaus, Antipas, who actually, his name is Antipas, but he actually calls himself Herod Antipas because he wants to be like his dad, and then Philip, and Herod the Great's kingdom is divided up into three different regions, yep. and uh, the region of Galilee is under Herod Antipas. And then what's interesting is the reason why there's so much controversy is because the Herod Antipas and Philip they're called to Rome to meet with Caesar because they're under Caesar. They're ruling this area for yeah. Caesar. Yeah. They're underneath his his yeah. control. And while they're out there, Herod Antipas falls madly in love with Philip's wife, whose whose name is um uh what do we have her name? Herodias. Herodias, that's right. Herodias. So everybody's a Herod. Yeah, it's a little weird. It is so weird. Herod so Herod divorces his wife, Philip divorces his wife, and he marries his brother's wife, which is and then he sends away his old wife, who was actually, it was a political allegiance. She's actually the princess of, uh, of Nabatea, which is the region just south of Israel. Mm. It butts up against it. It's south of the Dead Sea. You know, the Jordan River's up here, and or the Jordan River's here, and it connects the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea. The area to the to the south and to the east of that area is called okay. Nabatea. Um, it's most famous for a, a city carved out of rock called Petra. Do you know sure, what? I have, absolutely. It was in Indiana Jones and the Last yeah. Crusade. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where the, the grail was housed? Uh-huh. That was, I, 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 I've had Indiana Jones on my mind. So that's where, and so what happens is because Herod divorces the princess of Nabatea, a whole scale war breaks out because the king, her dad, is really not happy with this. And so there's, a, so. so there's war, there's intrigue, there's, um, there's, you know, also there's, and in sex the midst scandal. of that, there's this very strange prophet 
who shows up and says, this is all wrong. This <laughs> yeah. is all wrong. You're supposed to be leading God's people and you are doing everything here in terms of your family is completely wrong. Yeah. And of course, he's, he's in jail and uh, it doesn't go well for him. No. They plot, they kill him. Well, it looks, from the story, it looks like Herodias kind of plots to get John the Baptist killed. She doesn't like what he said. Oh, yeah. She's the real villain in this thing. Yeah, well, th- but he's a patsy, and, he, he, yeah, and he's, he's spineless. Yeah, he's, a, he's, he's spineless. She is, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. <laughs> she has been scorned, and she will get even. So let me ask doesn't. you a question. When you read this story of Herod killing John the Baptist, do you make any connections to Pilate? Uh, a spineless political leader who doesn't stand up to people. There's some people, there's a cable that's hell bent on manipulating the system to get this guy killed. He doesn't stand up. Do you read those parallels between? I, I, I think it's a bit of the nature of the people that Caesar would pick, <laughs> right? Are, are people who are not going to be the strong political leaders that will get ambitious and try to break off. I mean, the, the kinds of people he wants are people keep who the peace. can be bought yep. and will keep the peace yep. and will basically be, you know, a tool in the in Caesar's hands. So yeah. maybe it's a it's a more of a, I've never really thought about it as from the way you just brought it in, but uh, maybe it's more of a, a reality of kind, the kinds of people that Herod would, pee, would pick. Or the kind of people that Caesar picks, yeah. Yeah, and remember, these are not only, you know, tools of of caesar they're also in the worst posts right the, the, uh palestine is not a good spot i mean you want to be up in because it's, it's too far away from rome right yeah it's yeah several, and, and, and there's it, no jets back then i i don't understand i no think jets, no and jets it tends to be super hot there yeah. and dry and dusty and rocky and it, these are not good posts if you're looking to try to advance your career uh, climb up um, what, two other thoughts on this before we move on to the, the beautiful parts of this passage. Um, one is when you think about this story, what you see is that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of men clash and the kingdom of man enacts violence and kills John the Baptist. And so you have to think they killed, they killed John. Like that's one of the lessons from this. They, yeah. they killed John. And of course, uh, that foreshadows another, Jesus has to be thinking, if they killed John, they're going to kill me. So is there some sort of lesson there that the world systems are at violent conflict with the way of God? Well, I mean, Jesus just gave a really clear teaching on this with the parable of the weeds, mm-hmm. that there are two kingdoms that are at war. Yeah. And they are seek, one is seeking to destroy the other. Yeah. And um, and so you've got this kingdom of God and the kingdom of of satan or the evil kingdom and then you have this real life illustration of just how this clash can come to bear um where one of the greats of the new testament one of the great heralds of all of the prophets um dies a senseless cruel horrible death based on a stupid promise because of a yeah a, a young young teenager dancing yeah uh, it's it's just filled with all kinds of junk right yeah. and it's all bad and imagine the heart of jesus when he gets the news that he's john the baptist is one of the couple of people on the planet that get him and his he's in a family member 
They've probably hung out, did vacations together for years and years when they were growing up. Well, it looks like they all fled to Egypt, so they would have grown up there together. Yeah. It's highly likely that they real there would have yeah, a real good did. chance. And then, um, you know, other than Mary, nobody gets it as well as John. And Inter- even John uh, under, struggles. Understanding Jesus' mission and yeah. who he is. His and even John struggles in that. Yeah, but yeah. because of the, the difficulty of the, of the way that John, John's life is lived out. Yeah. Very difficult to be a prophet. Well, and not just that. He's in jail, and it looks like he's going to die. And he's like, hey, listen, you're going to get me out, right? Like, we're, yeah. like the kingdom of God's going to win. Yeah, I, was, I don't lose here. That's in 11. Right, yeah. In 11, like, we were there. And so, and then... Uh, he's still in prison. Yeah. By the well, time he, we get to well, 14. Well, in, in 14, Matthew tells us he's been killed. And and in, then he gives us the backstory. Yeah. Um, but it, it look, I, I it just reminds me that, like I was just thinking, and it, I'm, I'm not trying to delve into this because I'm certainly not an expert on geopolitical events, but there was like an, it looks like an attempted coup in Russia that was thwarted, political alliances, violence, tanks, mercenaries, armies. It, it's not new, right? Political power breeds murderous intent because power, people want it. It comes with all sorts of... Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a sense yeah. in, in which power and dynamics and anyone who speaks against that power or condemns that power... Puts themselves at risk. Absolutely. Clearly. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're in a... This is not very far from... Yeah. Are we in a culture where there's, there's sexual things being pushed on us in our culture and we're called to hold a standard that God has given us. I mean, that's pretty much wow. what is yeah, happening I, here. I hadn't made that connection, and but that's We've got that's that an interesting same point. kinds of things going on for us now. Yeah. And there will be opposition very strong. Well, but, but let me say this. But you've talked about that. You've said over and over again that the Christian um, ethos, sexual ethos, is the most unpopular in today's culture because it, it grates against the individual expression. Yeah, there's only one expression of our sexuality that God uh, endorses, and that's in a monogamous relationship between a man and a woman. Um, a covenantal. Covenant yeah, monogamous yeah, relationship. Yeah. And, um, and that course, speaks against all sorts of... Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, and that's not a very popular thing to say right now. <laughs> but here's the deal. Ain't nobody threatening to chop off my head. No, that's now true. they're going to scream my head off yeah. <laughs> as yeah. they scream at me. Um, that might be true, mm. and that's not pleasant, mm. but it's not it's not John the Baptist kind of thing. Okay, so then Jesus, you would expect Jesus to do what he does, which is to grieve, um, to mourn. He tries to get away, and then um, there's this incredible verse, and I, I wanted to share this. Uh, I, I know that you didn't get it. We, we don't really even have time to get into it. It's in Matthew 14, when Jesus heard what had happened. This is verse 13. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place, right? Mm-hmm. So this is he's grieving. Mm-hmm. He's in the midst of this. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And crowds, we know that, what's it say later? 5,000, and that's just the men. So this is huge, 10, 15, huge, huge 20,000? I say 20. 20. Yeah, so it's it's a lot of people. It's a mass of people. And then this, this, this verse, is it's so beautiful. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd... He had compassion on them. And the word for compassion is splanch niz omai. Splanch niz omai. It means to be affected deep in one's inner being. The word actually means to be moved. That's from the Greek. Deep in the bowels. Bowels, yeah. With sympathy 
and then compassion. So moving from sympathy to compassion. So it's enacted mercy. And what's interesting is this splanch nizomai, which is this Greek word. I'm probably saying it it's wrong. It's hard, hard to say. It's only used of Jesus in, 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 in the Gospels. Hmm. And there's two other moments where Jesus breaks out splanch nizomai. And they're two really famous stories. Here, let me read it to you. But the Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he splanched, nizomai him. And, <laughs> and the other. Compassion. Right, right. It's a, it's so that's the good Samaritan, very important. And then in Luke 15, but while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was splanched, mizozide for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. Isn't that so cool? Yeah. That yeah. the splanchnizomai really is one of the central hearts of God. Yeah, so you, what you have is you've got a guy in in legitimate, serious grief. Yeah. He, you've also got a collective. His disciples just returned from being sent out. The context of the other, other accounts in the Gospels let us know that that also just happened. So the, all the guys come back and they say, Jesus, you can't believe what we just did. I mean, we healed the sick. Yeah. We, we drove out the demons, and he's like, okay, and then juxtapositioned against this joyful uh, report. He says, I saw Satan fall. Like, yeah, it's this huge yeah. grief. Yeah. The huge grief of a family member died. One of ours just got killed. And so you've got that. And then it, the, and the, the appropriate response is to withdraw. I mean, that's absolutely appropriate. And this is one, I don't, I don't know if you saw this, but there's actually four withdrawals. Huh, I didn't and see Throughout this. the gospel, no. as Jesus is doing ministry, it's a regular habit of his to pull away um, and to try to collect. And each time it gets all shipwrecked, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> so, of the needs of the people? Yes, because oh, yeah. he's just so popular with all of the people. And so I, I remember that one moment where Peter's like, we've been looking for you everywhere. Where have you been? And he said, if yeah. I ain't telling you, that's my <laughs> best hiding place. <laughs> so, he, you know, there's a constant need for Christ to be able to, to get away, and especially with these guys, and debrief the death of John and the victories and the experience that they had out in the ministry. And, of course, then I think what happens is, is that these crowds collect, and after the collective teaching of a couple of three days, probably, mm-hmm. in my mind, it, it doesn't tell us for sure. It could have only been one day, but just the need for food and how they can, you can visibly see that they need. I'm thinking it's maybe been a few days that they've been sitting under the teaching of Christ. He's been healing their sick teaching them about the kingdom. And then we have this beautiful story um, where he he blows his disciples' minds. Right. Just blows them. So one of the things that I thought was interesting also about the feeding of the 5,000, which is really more like 10, 15, 20,000, yeah. um, is whose idea it was to feed the, the people. And I, I think it's really interesting that Jesus has been serving and giving for so long. His disciples are starting to think about other people. And so they come to him and say, hey, the people don't have food. We need to send them away. So there's a heart that you start to see glimmer through. Maybe it's they were just sent out. Maybe maybe Jesus is rubbing off on them. Something is happening. Maybe they're hungry. Sure. Right. <laughs> well, right. you just turned it pretty cynical. I thought it was beautiful, but maybe it's that. Maybe they're hungry and they're sorry. Thinking, yeah, maybe maybe it's a combo of both. Yeah. But then I, I love that. And then um whose idea was it? They're like, Well, you give them something to eat, right? And then who feeds them? In some ways the answer is Jesus feeds them. He's the one who creates um, yeah. the, the bountiful yeah. food. But in other ways the answer is they feed them. Because they're the ones who take the baskets out. out. 
So, and I love that because it reminds me of like the doctrine of in, the inspiration of scripture. It's fully God and fully man or the, or the incarnation. Jesus is fully God and fully man. The work of the kingdom of God is fully God. Like whose idea is this? Jesus is the one who has compassion. Who fed the people? Well, Jesus did. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but... But, but whose idea was it? The disciples. Yeah. Who passed out the food? The disciples. It's fully God and fully man. So there's a, a beautiful merging, and they're empowered to go out with God, with Jesus, with the Spirit, and do neat stuff, you know? Yeah, and that's what I brought up at the Toga campus, is that one of the great lessons of this is, is that God can easily mm-hmm. feed this crowd. He's already got history of feeding a a crowd that's a hundred times bigger. Yeah. Well, we with we, manna. Yeah, we have this is so this is Matthew kind of hearkening back to the Moses story right. of the of the feeding so of Israel in the God desert. God doesn't need and Jesus yeah. doesn't need the disciples to do this, but it seems to be the way of the kingdom mm-hmm. that God's spirit motivates God's children who then engage with the world. Yeah. God's world. That's really good. Yeah. Um, and so they do, and they feed. Okay, they so the one thing we didn't get to talk about is the end of this, is the... the yeah, and it's too bad, because it's a, it's a phenomenal story, and right? And that's the walking on water. Yeah. Um, so I think, here's how it happens, um, just because we didn't get into it. It's um, right, after, right after they eat, immediately Jesus made the disciples get in a boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Uh, this is the Sea of Galilee. And he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed him, he goes up on a mountaintop. He prays by himself, because again, he, he he if he was tired before, if he was he now he's he's yeah, he, he's spent right. Yeah, he's spent. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was a considerable distance from the land. Yeah, we know from other translations, it's it's three or four miles out. It's, yeah, you know, it's dead in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. It's it's far out. It's buffeted by waves. The wind was against it, and shortly before John. Dawn, Jesus goes out to them walking on the lake. They're terrified. It's a ghost, they say. And Jesus says, no, don't be afraid. Take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. And then Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And he says, come. And then Peter gets out and walks yeah. on the boat. Um, before we go any further into the story, what do you see this tying into the feeding of the 5,000? Is this a, a story about the discipleships growing in their sense that they can do things that Jesus did or participate with Jesus? How do you think of that, this, this moment? What lessons, how does this tie into the other parts of the Gospels that we just read? And how, what do you think about this? Well, I, I think it's another demonstration of Jesus' power over nature. Mm-hmm. Remember now, the water, the water is the great strength. You know, it's the great mystery. It's the great fear um, of this time. Yeah. It's the great limiter. How far? How far do you travel? Well, until you get to the edge of water, and yeah. then you stop. Yeah. And so, and in the ancient world, and I'm pretty sure when people were on water, they tended to sink. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's, that's, that's how it works. Consistent even to yeah, today. I think so. So, so Jesus demonstrates this amazing, amazing power. It 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 is. Um, it is interesting to me, there's, I think that there's a couple of lessons, not only Jesus' majesty and power over nature. It, it, just an, a side note, you know, um, artists through the centuries have tried to depict the great stories of the scriptures. And this is one of the famous stories of Jesus. Even people who don't know anything yeah. about Jesus know he's the guy who supposedly walked on water, right? So when you look at art, 
when you look at art, the, the, the truth is, is that there are great renditions and artists' interpretations of several of the moments of the Gospels that are just amazing uh, to me. Um, co- the Calming of the Sea by Rembrandt, mm. by the way, which is an, a, a, an amazing painting that's stolen. They don't know where it is. Hmm. It's, it's been stolen since 1990. But all of the paintings of Jesus walking on water are horrible to me. They just, it's just, it, it's so miraculous. You can't, you can't do it justice. Huh. Right. I mean, they, they either make Jesus look like this ghost or some dude in a bathrobe, you know, with <laughs> sun crazy yeah. glow all around him yeah. or something. It's just, it's, it's so miraculous that it's impossible for me to imagine what it really looked like. Mm. Um, because you've got the waves and the, and you've get, it says that it's in these the skilled fishermen, many of them in the boat, cannot get the boat moving. Right, you know, the wind is against them, and it's buffeting, buffeting them. Yeah. And so you've got this. It's it, a, a squall. Mm. You know? By the way, that word "buffeted" is used a couple of times with earlier. Jimmy? Is it with Jimmy? No, that's oh, such a crap bad. joke. <laughs> that was such a terrible joke. Do you make a Jimmy Buffett joke? It's used. I don't know. It's um, five o'clock somewhere. That's Buff- all I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, the word buffeted, um, uh, the, the men who are demon possessed are tormented and buffeted. Uh, so that's used all, almost exclusive. So it has a demonic overtone. Yeah. Uh, gee, is Satan up to something? It, it could it's, be. It's interesting. It just, he it seeks to destroy them. It's so, interesting. So, yeah. so anyway, continue. Anyway. So one of the, the, one of the, the, the thing that first comes out of my mind is, is this is such an amazingly miraculous story mm-hmm. that, Great, the greatest artists of our time, of, of all history, have trouble doing a good rendition of it to me. Um, the second thing that I think is the big lesson for me is, is that they are right exactly in the center of the will of God when all hell breaks loose and the storm comes. Because Jesus has told them. He said, get in the boat and go across. Oh, and he, the, he is, they are, He's, they are clearly where Jesus said to be. Or another way, John the Baptist did exactly what God wanted him to do. He was clearly he, where he, he was supposed he to be. He did exactly and what, and he gets killed. And it yeah. did not go well. And yeah. I think that mm. as one of the weaknesses of, uh, let's talk about me, just so I'll let y'all off the hook. Um, one of the weaknesses of my mind being raised in this culture is that I think God's will should make things easier. And if I'm in God's will, it will naturally lead to happiness and joy and fruit in ministry and relationships that go well and kids that get good grades and all of those kinds of things Mm -hmm. that we think should accompany it. And I just think we're duped. We're duped that way. Now, it's by God's grace, life is still full of joy and there's lots of great things. But joy might, doesn't mean comfort, though. Right. And joy it, doesn't mean easy. You could be exactly yeah. where you're supposed to be, and it's really going poorly. Yeah. You know, I've talked to maybe uh, hundreds of people who work's not going well. My boss doesn't like me. I don't like my work. The, and the natural conclusion to all of those indicators is I'm in the wrong place. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe not. And that's what this story brings out is yeah, that it's, yeah. 
it's it's a difficult thing to follow the Lord of the universe. There's another lesson. I wonder what you think of this because those are both really true um, and really and really right. Um, There's also an aspect of Peter asking, "Hey, listen, what they've they got sent out." So this is kind of their own solo project. I mean, remember these are young men; they're teenagers. Um, Only Peter. Yeah, and by the way, all of the artist renditions render these dudes in the boat as real old dudes. Like 40, 40 years. Yeah, this is like, not a... For, no, this, Peter are, Peter is the only one who goes with Jesus to pay the temple tax. And in order to pay the temple tax, you had to be 20. Nobody else goes with him, which means all the other disciples were not yet 20. Um, so there's something there. They're teenagers. He sends them out. They accomplish amazing things with God's help, right? Yes, so they're yes, learning yes. what it means to walk with God and to be bear, image bearers and bears of the kingdom. So they realize that they can actually bring God's good work into the world with, with God's help. Obviously with God's help. They're, they're, again, they're co-laboring. Then they co-labor with God for feeding the, the 4,000 or the 5,000, the 20,000 people. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is they give up what they had. They, they, this is all we have. They give yeah. up their food. That's what we got. They give up all their food. And at the end, they are more than fed, and so is everyone else. Yeah. So there's this act of if I give up this, I, then they're on the they're on the water. He's walking, and Peter, who's like the lead disciple, it's clear that Peter's the lead disciple. Says, "Listen, if I'm supposed to be the lead disciple, then I'm going to be like G. I'm going to. I guess I'll be like him. I'm going to walk. Call me out if that's what you want me to do." And he does, and then he freaks out. And Jesus says, "Why? Why did you lose faith?" And I wonder if, I don't think Peter lost faith in Jesus. It's it's clear that Jesus is God. He might have lost faith, however, in what he and God could do together or in himself. I don't know. In some ways, Peter does what all 12 should have done because the, the role of a disciple is to walk where their rabbi walks right, to do what they, and to yeah, do what yeah. the rabbi does. But you know, he's the, the lead guy, so he has so to go he first. he goes and yeah. does it, which is quite amazing. It is. It's quite amazing it that is. he gets his toes in the water. Um, I think, I think, based on the text, the best I can tell is the waves freaked him out. Okay. So they is there caused a, him to doubt. Is there a lesson then for us who are trying to follow Jesus? What is Peter teaching us? If Peter were here in this third chair, what would he say to us? Hey, man, here's what this this taught me. Well, I mean, John Orberg's great book. Yeah. Um, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. So, I guess it teaches us that there's a risk involved in following Jesus. That that if you want to see some collective really great thing, then you got to almost risk some greatness. You got to. In other words, lots of times we don't see God come through in a really large way because we've not been in a position where God needs to come through in a really large way. You know, if the if the most urgent thing you've prayed for the last few days is a parking spot that's close to the exit or something, <laughs> then you know, what, yeah. how much does God really need to do for you? Yeah. How much faith yeah. does it really take yeah. to live your life? Yeah. Um, on the other hand, if you've, if you've put yourself in some risk because you feel like God's leading you to, remember, they're in the boat, they're supposed to be there. Um, God's led you and to he a person. Asked, and should you, I come out? And Jesus says, yes. Come on, man. Yes, come he on does. out he here. He does say yes. So he's yeah. he's asking the right questions. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it's the great... It, it, to see God do great things, you need to be in positions where God is needed to do great things. He's not yeah. going to just waste a great thing. Yeah. So... But these two stories... that made sense. Yeah, but. these two stories taken together are kind of 
that I think there for me it's a reminder of like what disciples can do and what we're called to do. So the first thing is like they give their lunch, they give their food to Jesus. So is there anything I'm holding back? Yeah. You know, that I started thinking, is there is there something I'm holding back? Is there a lack of trust? Like if I if I give this to Jesus, I'm not gonna have enough for me. Yeah. And I, I fall in that trap a lot, by the way. Sure. Uh, and then the second thing was um, that God really does want to partner. And, and, and partner seems like a weird word because it makes me sound like I, I'm like, I'm important. And I, when I mean partner, I mean like, I think about the image I have is when I was, our kids were really little and we would go on a vacation. We had these huge, huge suitcases because we're flying to the Midwest in winter. So everything's super heavy. And I'd have this giant suitcase and my daughter would be like, daddy, I help. And she's like two. And she, and she's like, I'm like, ready? One, two, three. And we'd lift it into the car and she was lifting maybe four ounces, you know, you know, or whatever. Right. right? And she's (laughs) strong now, but you know, but, um, I was doing most of the lifting, Sure, but we're doing it together. Yeah. Now what's beautiful about that is now she, she and my son are much older and they have learned to, you know what I'm saying? The, yeah. Now that they're older, they can do a lot more. And I feel a little bit of hope with that in this story that, yeah, at first it was, Daddy, can I help? But now I'm doing more and more. And yeah. he's giving me more and more assignments. He gives yeah. us more and more assignments. And and he he's still with us, but we're growing in strength and maturity and the ability to help. Yeah. Us. It's really it's really. You can cool. always get things done without people at all, but it's... but. It seems to be that 99.8% of the time, he's going to get it done through somebody. Which is nuts. It's nuts. It's a bad plan. Um, <laughs> it's inefficient, for it's, sure. Yeah. Well, the problem with but it is it's the so, way he goes. it's so inefficient. And I think as Bay Area people, we get really impatient. Well, with it's it. inefficient unless you're trying to produce something in the people that get to partner. Right. Right. And then suddenly it's not. Yeah. Because it's... If you if God did everything for us, then He can't produce anything really in us. That's good. And, That's a good um, word. So hmm. this is he see it's not it's not just meeting needs. Of course, it's meeting needs, but it's also growing us. Yeah, and growing our character. The kingdom is expanding in all sorts of different yeah. ways. Yeah, right. it's a beautiful chapter. It is really really powerful and and heart. And I I do think we see something about the heart of Jesus in this, but also about His invitation to His disciples. Amen. Um, very cool. Maybe all right. so. Yes, maybe so. All right. Well, thanks, Steve, for stopping yeah. by. And boy, this was fun. We just got to talk about the Bible back to back to back to back weeks. It was really, it was really <laughs> know, cool. Yeah, it's it was, been it a really, fun summer. We are going to take a two week break for the afterward, just for the Fourth of July. I'm I'm actually out of town, so we're going to be on break for two weeks, and we'll be back in just uh, a few weeks after that. So um, awesome. Two week break, and then we'll be back after that. All right. So All right. we'll see you guys in a couple of Peace. bits. See you guys. See. Bye. All right, just want to say thanks to Steve Clifford for stopping by. Again, remember, we're on a break for two weeks. We're not going to have any podcast for the afterward on the uh, 9th or the 16th, but we'll be back on July 23rd. I'll be back from vacation, so uh, can't wait to see you guys then. Stay safe out there. I don't know. It's probably going to be hot. I don't, I don't It's July. Have a good four- And remember, if you drink a fifth on the 4th, you'll be in jail on the 6th. Okay, so don't do that. That's probably probably not going to make it in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>